Hi everybody, this is the English channel of SAP Education Newscast, edition number 154 in August 2021. In this podcast, my co-host Thomas Jenewein and myself frequently talk with our guests about learning and knowledge in the process of digitization and the digitization of learning itself. But unfortunately today, Thomas could not make it. But as usual, we have a great guest on board. And yeah, today's guest is Mike Pfeiffer, founder and CEO of CloudSkills.io and as far as I know, host of the CloudSkills FM podcast. And we will talk about why cloud technology skills are really important in today's more and more digitized world. Welcome, Mike. Great to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Super excited to be here. Great. And maybe before talking about the cloud itself, could you please introduce yourself? What was your journey so far, your origin story, and share with us what CloudSkills.io actually is? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I got into IT business in the late 90s, and I started a help desk. And uh, so I, if, you, if anybody remembers the old school computer manufacturers, uh, like Gateway Computers with the Cowbox computer. Yeah. That was one of the places where I started and did tech support. And uh, so I started off on the phones, just helping people with their computers and installing drivers for, uh, you know, different devices and reinstalling the OS and stuff like that. <laughs> and throughout that time, I was, um, I just became obsessed with the technology. I'd never really done any kind of tech stuff before that. Uh, we did have a computer at my house when I was growing up as a kid, but I just used it to like explore the early stages of the internet and play ga games and stuff. So I really became obsessed um, in my early 20s working in tech support. And so I started to um, think about how do I get into, you know, the IT business? And because at the call center I was working at doing tech support, there was always guys running around, uh, men and women, but, you know, technicians going in. Uh, you know, coming up to the call center computers that we were sitting at and then like replacing parts or uh, fixing the machines and stuff. And I was like, maybe the next stage for me is working in uh, in that team and working in mm -hmm. IT, you know, the back office type of stuff. So I got my NT4, Windows NT4 MCSE while I was doing that tech support job. And then um, I was able to um, make my way into a consulting job and then After that, I just started working at enterprise consulting. I really got into like things like Active Directory and Microsoft Exchange because so many businesses uh, in the early 2000s were using that stuff. And um, I just got to the point where I was flying all over the world, uh, doing enterprise consulting, doing Active Directory um, upgrades, you know, like Windows NT4 to Active Directory and all kinds of crazy projects like um, Active Directory Forest consolidation projects, massive migrations, huge exchange migrations. And about 10 years, I was doing all that stuff. I went to Microsoft Certified Master Training up in Redmond at Microsoft. And uh, it's something that they don't offer anymore. But at the time, you know, there was like five big certifications that they had. It was kind of like CCIE. You know, Cisco has the CCIE where you do hands-on and get certified. Um, Microsoft was trying to do that. And I went in 2010 up to Redmond for like three weeks and I studied like crazy. I was already doing a lot of exchange. So it was kind of in a fortunate position. And that was a really awesome experience because not only did I meet like a bunch of people, I realized that, um, 
there was a lot more that I wanted to do in my career. So after doing that certification, I got into teaching. And for the last 10 or 11 years, uh, in addition to working in the field with customers, I've been spending a lot of time writing books, teaching live classes, uh, filming video training for places like Pluralsight and whatnot. Um, I've worked at Microsoft and Amazon along the way in that 10 years. And uh, so about five years ago, I left Amazon. I was working at Amazon Web Services. And that's when I started Cloud Skills, which is... Um, you know, been kind of a, a hybrid between consulting and training, but mainly these days we do training. And um, so I know it's a long story, but that was kind of like the uh, the whirlwind backstory. You know, I, uh, I have a lot of passion about helping people break into the industry or like switch over from somewhere else in IT into cloud. And uh, over the last couple of years, we've had some awesome success stories of people, um, you know, just like finding an opportunity in this space because there's so much. And uh, that's why my passion these days is trying to help people leverage the massive opportunity that's out there in the cloud. Wow. That's really an impressive work and learning journey, I think. So absolutely um, yeah, a lot of learning. <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. of learning yeah. included. And of course, giving this knowledge to others. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that's finally why you're here today. It's really impressive that you worked with um, yeah, so many technologies and companies that are yeah, the big players today in the cloud, actually. And I think it has been a long way until cloud really has become mainstream. It started small and it evolved over time and then it went like exponentially um, faster and it's really big now mm -hmm. and it's kind of ubiquitous. And Absolutely. It really is. Yeah. I was just going to agree with you there. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it is a game changer. And, uh, you know, I feel like that was a big reason why I went to AWS um, six, seven years ago, because I realized, man, this is like going to change everything, this cloud stuff. So, mm. yeah. yeah and, and we see it in the business world as well. Um, maybe in some areas or some countries, it's going a little bit slower than in others. But um, I think the direction is very clear towards cloud with um, many, many things and many software approaches but also processes and everything seems to move there so one important point is that you take the people with you in this world that is quite different than an on-premise world where you take care about everything that you have on your machine the software the hardware and how to use it and um so maybe you can give us some insights or let's talk about what are the real important cloud skills uh, that people should learn in 2021 or the, the upcoming years. When I think of cloud skills, I have in mind all these platforms that you mentioned and uh, even others, but it's a lot of topics like um how to develop for and on the cloud, um, security topics, um, data management. So uh, really a lot of different topics. What are, from your perspective, the really important ones? Mm, yeah. So I think that uh, there's quite a bit in terms of like what people need to learn to be successful in the cloud. Uh, I think that people that are already in IT 
are in an interesting position because they've got a lot of stuff that, you know, if they're not working in cloud right now, there's a ton of stuff that they've been working on that transfers over. But from a high level, um, you know, compute services, like are obviously virtual machines, serverless functions, serverless containers is now a thing. So, you know, I'd, I'd say big picture, number one, compute services. So you would need to learn your way around virtual machines. You would need to learn a little bit about, you know, how do I do compute in newer ways, more cloud native ways. So maybe uh, understanding functions as a service in the serverless world, um, that conversation also containers, you know, because now we can run containerized applications in these different compute services without having to have an entire Kubernetes cluster. Um, but you may need a Kubernetes as a service. So that falls under the compute conversation as well, right? And then there's other platform services that make it real easy for you to run web apps and stuff. So um, you would want to spend some time understanding the compute layer and how you can run different workloads. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of new stuff in there. And that can change over time. That's the other thing is that, um, you know, it is obviously a moving target. And some of this stuff, and I've seen it happen over the last six, seven years, some stuff will get, you know, some popularity and then it kind of like dies off. So you got to, you know, from a non-technical perspective, you have to be open to, you know, rolling with the punches because it will change a little bit. It's a bit of a moving target, but compute uh, services is where, you you know, step one, I would say. Um, Networking, cloud networking is insanely difficult and it always confuses people, even networking people, like folks that have been doing networking in a physical world. uh, Even they have, you know, some challenges learning that. So, um, that's a place where you'd want to learn how do I do cloud networking on whatever platform I'm using, but what's the hybrid networking situation look like? Because a lot of folks, you know, a lot of enterprises are going to be doing hybrid cloud for a long time. They're not going to be able to go all in, right? So you understand some of the basics around that. And um, in addition, you know, we've got storage services. So old school storage uh, models, as well as new stuff where you're using object storage and things like that. Databases can kind of fall into that category. So understanding where do we do relational databases in the cloud? And also, you know, what are these new database services that I might not have worked uh, with before? You know, NoSQL type of stuff. Mm -hmm. So storage is a big piece. So compute networking storage. And I would say a fourth pillar that's super important would be identity and governance and understanding how to dole out permissions and limit access and do policy and make sure that you're not, you know, opening up too much, exposing yourself, whether it's externally or, you know, opening it up too permissively inside the organization. And so there's more to all that. But I, to me, those are the big domains. Um, and the cool part is if you're working in tech already and you're in IT, like I said, a lot of stuff translates over. So, you know, if you're working, doing server builds right now, you know, you can kind of take what you know now into the compute and storage and networking and identity domains of the cloud and figure out, okay, how do I do that the way I was doing it before over in the cloud? And same thing for you know, DBAs and developers, um, but it's mm-hmm. it's a lot of ambiguity, right? So you're, you got to be open to new things and then you're constantly looking, like, how do I map what I already know over to these cloud platforms and their services? Yeah. Yeah, and I see there are a lot of really tech topics around that. Um, yeah, if we go one step back or aside and take a look at maybe a manager in a company who has not yet a clear view on what cloud actually means, could you maybe give um, yeah a, a brief introduction? So cloud in a nutshell for somebody who is not that deep in technology? Yeah, 
I like to explain it kind of like everybody, at least in the U.S., we have this place called Costco. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have that where you're at, but basically just a giant warehouse where people go to shop. Yeah. And so when I'm usually talking about and trying to explain cloud to somebody that hasn't really dealt with it before, I'm trying to like say, you know, imagine a giant warehouse kind of like Costco full of computers, you know, because ultimately... And I also map it to the phones because people understand, you know, phones. So it's like your phone has got to go somewhere to get those pictures or get that app data or whatever. And so what we're doing is we're putting all of our infrastructure in these giant warehouses and they're strategically distributed all over the world. And, uh, you know, those data centers or those warehouses um, are considered part of the cloud. And basically, you know, you got your devices connecting to a remote location to grab data and get services instead of you building all that infrastructure and managing it in your own building. Um, so it's a way for you to lease infrastructure and services that used to, you know, be very complicated. So for example, I did a customer project like 12 years ago where um, they were a global company and they needed geographic redundancy, meaning if their stuff on the East coast of the United States went down, it needed to come up automatically in the West coast. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of data center contracts and there was tons of, you know, just crazy work, global load balancers and, you know, physical infrastructure, uh, millions of dollars in spend. Right. And so these days with the cloud, you could do all that virtually. You can um, basically just lease um, very simply those services and those multiple locations and you don't have to leave your office and you don't have to spend millions of dollars. Mm. So, um, that from a high level, that is kind of the big idea. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that. And when looking at, uh, the skill side again, so after people got uh, an understanding of what cloud actually means or is, especially for a company, maybe everyone should have some cloud skills in a company or at least this uh, basic understanding um, like uh, this digital literacy or security. What's your point of view and your experience here in companies? Is there, yeah, do, do you see a tendency that um, people really acquire cloud skills or basic cloud skills on a, on a broader base or is it really exceptional only some techies and IT guys in the company, or is it really a, a broader approach? In my experience, it's broadening up. When I first started doing all this, it was, you know, very, very small. And a lot of people just kicking the tires and testing, especially on the Microsoft Azure side. Uh, when I left AWS, I was working with a lot of AWS folks and a lot of startups and stuff. But I've noticed as I've gone into enterprises, especially five years ago, there was less cloud, right? And there was just the technical people maybe uh, trying some stuff out and testing things out. But now, you know, five years later, I'm really seeing everybody in the organization getting involved. You know, you're seeing people from sales and HR and all over the, all over the organization for different reasons, you know, mainly I think because there's so many cloud services being injected into projects these days. And so people like project managers and, uh, you know, people leaders, things like that, they just need to have more awareness, the different tools and services. And a lot of organizations have big initiatives to like move that cloud journey forward. And, um, you know, so they make it worthwhile for some of the other folks in the organization to help champion uh, those, those moves into the cloud. Um, so, Absolutely. I think that if we're going to continue to see more and more people in the organization, IT organization, get involved. And um, especially in things like like FinOps, right? Like really crunching the numbers and making sure that, you know, we understand how much we're spending and that kind of thing. Mm. And I think that 
it's um it's a huge opportunity for folks in business. So there's two service where there's certifications like from Microsoft and Amazon that start at the very fundamental level and they're aimed at everybody in the IT organization. So anybody that's interested, uh, I would suggest, you know, if if you kind of get the feeling that your organization is a Microsoft organization, do the Microsoft fundamentals and certification because it's aimed at everybody. It's just, you know, it's not aimed at just programmers. It's aimed at anybody in the IT organization that needs to understand the basics. And uh, Amazon has one too. And I think even Google has one. So, mm. um, so long story short, yeah, I think as time goes on, we're going to continue to see more and more people from different parts of IT get pulled into the cloud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think so too, because it's really important to have this at least basic understanding when you're working really day to day in a completely different world than it is in an on-premise approach. Right. Maybe going one step more into um, yeah the technical corner and looking at developers in companies, uh, especially when it, it goes um, around customization of existing software, but also developing software in a cloud environment. Can you maybe also give an overview of what changes for developers who are used to work on maybe monolithic, huge pieces of software that are released uh, once a year or uh, three or four years even? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, really. The thing I'm excited about there is, um, especially in the Microsoft space, the uh, developer experience is so radically better than anything I ever used. Mm-hmm. I spent a, about, I don't know, I think it was 06, 07 era, 2006, 2007. I spent a couple of years doing .NET web development. This is way back in, you know, web for ASP.NET web forums and stuff. And, you know, there was no plural site or YouTube at the time. There was just books. Mm-hmm. And that was really painful. Um, you know, there was nobody, I don't think, unless you were working in an actual big software team was using version control and no one was really thinking about how do we uh, deploy the code and all that kind of stuff. So the good news is today it's easier than ever to build and deploy modern applications. <laughs> and uh, so the challenge is like, you know, dealing with legacy code, that's never easy. So I think for people that are going to end up dealing with that, you know, there's going to be a lot of, um, a lot of discovery and trying to figure out how do we take these legacy monolithic apps and bring them over to the cloud and transform them. But if you just look at the, you know, if you were going greenfield and building something completely from scratch, especially looking at Microsoft, how they have, you know, done such a great job with GitHub and your ability to just go into GitHub in a browser, even build, you know, bring up Visual Studio code in, in a browser, right? And then not only mm-hmm. sit there and write code in a browser, but then also write up a, a workflow file to deploy your code uh, anywhere that you want. And uh, so that's, to me, that's pretty, pretty sexy and pretty compelling. Um, but that also assumes that you're, you have the luxury of building apps in the cloud. So a lot of people, like I said, are dealing with legacy stuff. So what I would say is if you're, if you're coming over from a legacy kind of development framework or construct, your team is, is way behind, you know, you really want to get plugged into what people are doing with, uh, source control, version control, Git ops is a big thing, you know, doing, um, Git based um, implementations and management. That's really interesting. So I would get real solid with Git, really understand the Git workflow, learn a little bit about Git ops, mm-hmm. and then familiarize yourself with what servers, um, services are available 
um, on your platform. You know, like if you're going to Azure, there's lots of different ways to run your code and uh, you might need to learn containerized uh, or containers, right? You need to understand the workflow of how do you containerize an application. Um, you would want to understand serverless functions and how you could run code that way versus just, you know, having everything on a VM because mm-hmm. that's a lot of, you know, old school kind of architecture. So, you know, long way to answer your question, but um, yeah, I mean, it's an exciting time, I think, for anybody developing applications that are running the cloud. Um, it's never been easier to get an app built and get something up and running. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you're a developer, probably the most powerful thing you can do is figure out how do we build and release these applications? Um, because I find that that's usually the sticking point for teams. They get real confused once it becomes time to you know, deploy the code out to these newer platforms. So that would be a focus point for me if I was a developer thinking about cloud. Mm. Yeah, we have seen now that there is a lot of change if you switch to a cloud model in your company in terms of how you run your IT business, um, what skills are required, and also how the world of uh, developers becomes yeah, actually more agile at the end. And if I'm now, let's assume I, I have a company, I'm the CEO of a small or mid-sized business or even a larger company. And now we have all these target groups of people in there that we, we discussed before. Do you have maybe some concrete tips for companies and also individuals how they can best develop their cloud skills? So I think one of the challenges right now is that there's a lot of training material. There's a lot of new services and people are like consuming. But in order to really integrate what we're learning, there needs to be more of an emphasis on putting theory into practice by doing hands-on labs, building projects. Um, So that's where I'd be focusing. If you're um, in an IT organization and you're trying to train up your teams, yes, training and um, introductions and, you know, getting people acquainted with concepts is important, but actually doing something with it is also important. And that's where I'm seeing people um, struggle is they're learning about something and they're not putting it into practice. So, you know, sometimes you may not have a real big reason to do that right now. Maybe some teams are just ramping up, but they don't have a project coming up. In that scenario, I would make sure that your teams, you know, if you're a manager or people leader or whatever running the organization, give people sandbox access to where they can go in and play around with these services so they understand what they're dealing with and they can practice and integrate what they're learning. Because, you know, you can sit there and watch YouTube videos all day or watch training videos that you've subscribed to. But if you don't use that information, you'll lose it pretty fast. And so that's why when I do live trainings, especially like in the classroom, you know, it's like a little bit of theory and then take a break. Now we'll put that theory into practice by doing labs. So I would say more hands-on, more socializing of what you're learning. So I would team people up and have them execute on projects. Um, You know, there's the whole concept of doing things like, you know, like competitions and stuff like that, hackathons and things like that. So I would really encourage organizations to, you know, not only have people learning and ingesting data, but putting that stuff into practice. I think that's probably one of the biggest struggles that I, that I see people aren't getting it because they're not using it as much as they should be. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and honestly, that's also what I saw in um, your portfolio of um, your company in, at Cloud Skills. That it's really a, a good mixture of the knowledge uh, that you provide, but also the, these um, workshop style or hands-on. Yeah, uh, I think that's that's really an important point. Not only rely on theory or video or whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. Really, really having hands-on experience and exchange. Yeah. yeah. If you think about like the medical profession and doctors, right? You you wouldn't want a doctor like doing a heart surgery on you for the first time, right? So doctors like they have to go to school, but they also have to do residency. They also have to like follow some other doctor and, and like shadow somebody else. And so um, I always tell uh, the other trainers and also the students that work with us, like that's how surgeons prepare. Like they have a framework of see one, do one, teach one. Mm. So they're even teaching it back, you know, when they're learning. And that's why I think socialized learning is so important. That really works, right? So if you have somebody that's doing something important, you want them to have not only learned it, but have done it in the past and maybe even have taught it to somebody else, because that is one of the best ways to, you know, make sure that you've got multiple perspectives on something. Um, so, yeah, I think that socialized learning and doing projects, even if it's um, just for practice, is massively important. Yeah, exactly. And I like this example with um, the doctor and the surgery. Yeah, um, exactly. That's really, theory is not enough. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so um, before we go to our more personal area or part of this podcast, is there anything that I forgot you to ask what you think is important to let our audience know about cloud? I don't think so. I think we've had a pretty good conversation so far. I would just say keep an open mind, you know. Um, it's uh, it's rapidly changing, and I would just keep an open mind, you know, and uh, you want to welcome the The truth of the matter, which is we're constantly all going to be learning. Nobody's ever going to be able to like do the whole cloud by themselves. When I first started IT, there was a position that I got in where I actually did everything. I was doing, you know, the computers, the servers, the networking. Those days are over. So that's what I would say. Just realize that it's a continuous learning process and we're all learning and, you know, don't get married into like any tool or framework or service because it's going to change at some point. Mm. Yeah, this... This is really great because it's the perfect transition to my first uh, question on our personal, or we, we sometimes call it home story part, but it's not from, uh, it's not about your home, but your experiences and ideas about learning as learning and teaching is your core business. We collected a, a lot already of uh, narratives or guiding principles. Um, of people talking in this podcast about yeah their view on on learning and training do you also maybe have something like that yeah absolutely i would say that it, you got to take responsibility for your own career and your own learning journey even outside of your current job um, that's one of the biggest places where i see people not getting to where they want to go in their career is because they're just basically waiting for their employer to do it for them. Huge mistake. When I was on the help desk and I wanted to become a consultant, no one was like supporting me in that effort. I had to do it by myself. I had to go off and get the cert on my own. I had to go to eBay and buy computer parts to build white box PCs so I could set up domain controllers and, and actually lab stuff up. And I've been doing that my entire career. I've always like been trying to keep my eye on where things are going 
So I'm thinking about the industry, not just waiting for my employer to tell me what's important, mm-hmm. right? Because if you think about it, your employer, they have a job for you to do. And at some point, somebody else is going to probably do that position, right? You're probably not going to stay in that position forever. And uh, they do have a responsibility to fill that position. They do have a responsibility to tell you what you're supposed to be doing, but they don't have any responsibility to your career. And that's your responsibility. Um, So what I'm getting at is you might be in a position where you see opportunities, but you're not getting to work on that stuff where you're at. And that's where the personal responsibility comes into play. So, you know, I would have practices set up. um, I personally do, right? So I've got practices where I'm studying and I'm putting things into, like putting theory into practice by, you know, testing things out. But I'm also looking at the long term and, you know, if I was working somewhere and I wasn't getting the support I needed for my career, then it's on me. And uh, those practices that you would have for yourself would be, hey, maybe you're investing in your own career. Maybe you have to invest in some training resources because that's for your career, not your job. Maybe you need to buy some hardware if you really want to go down a certain road to play around with something. But yeah, like really owning the responsibility of taking ownership of your career would be my number one. And um, that means also managing your time and carving out time for learning that, you know, learning stuff that's not currently something that your employer wants you to learn, you know? So that's probably the biggest one for me is staying curious and hungry, keep an open mind, staying humble, but knowing that your career is your own responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So being active, don't wait. Yeah. It's, I think that's a, a good principle so that also that you are always a little bit ahead of the time. Yeah. And then, you know, I'll add a couple of things there just because it's um, sometimes it's scary to to look at these emerging technologies and then invest in yourself, whether it's your time or whatever. But I've always done it over my career when I was doing a lot of Microsoft Exchange stuff, the Exchange team announced in like 06 that they were going to rebuild the whole product on top of the Monad shell, which Mm -hmm. later became PowerShell. And everybody Mm -hmm. was, at the time, everybody was like, you know, this is a disaster. This is scary because people were point and click administrators. They didn't want to write code. They never had to do that before. Um, But I ran headfirst into that because I knew, you know, this is going to be a huge deal. Um, So even though it was kind of intimidating and kind of scary at the time, And it was like, you know, you feel like you're losing something when things start to shift in the industry. Um, The best way to remove the vulnerability of that and those things is to like go into the unknown, you know, and you see a thing emerging, even though it might be a little bit scary. um, That's a signal to like really go for it, in my opinion. (laughs) So, Mm. yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think you, you have to be a little bit, how to say in English, courageous. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah absolutely and um yeah well, when coming from that being there on your own learning journey do you have something on your current um learning list for this year that you are working on to learn or that you have in mind could also be something completely different than technology yeah. whatever <laughs> well from a technical perspective what i'm doing is um studying Kubernetes still. I think um, I think we'll all be studying Kubernetes for a while. So it continues to emerge and uh, or, you know, get better and better. And so I'm spending a lot of time on that because people are really using it now, like in a much bigger way. I mean, they have been for the last several years, but it's like getting really serious now. Um, and security is a big piece. So I'm learning more about security in the world of Kubernetes. And I'm also doing a lot more lately with 
serverless. So I really like the serverless model, um, the functions as a service and you know, serverless web applications and using serverless functions to process events. And so those are places for me that I really enjoy. So I would say, you know, emerging technologies like Kubernetes and uh, emerging patterns like serverless are uh, things that I'm currently working on and learning. Um, from a non-technical perspective, um, I think what we're one of the places where we're experimenting and putting a lot of time in is building community and trying to find new ways to um, work with people and help them learn. And I think that there's a massive opportunity to do new things that haven't been done before, just because we're all so stretched for time these days. Mm. So um, that's one of the places where I'm, I'm thinking real hard and we're experimenting with a bunch of different formats to see kind of how things go. So that's a place where I'm doing a lot of learning, um, but that takes experimentation. So it's kind of like, you know, more like research type of work, but mm. um, still very early days. But I think, you know, we all have we're all going to see some really interesting things happen over the next five years when it comes to learning and education. So, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And especially in these uh, times of COVID and um, pandemic mm -hmm. issues that we are facing, I think digital learning has moved yeah, a big step forward, at least here in Germany. I don't know how it is in, in the US, but I think it's quite similar. Yep. So yeah, as you said, there is really more to come in the next couple of years. True. Yes. Yeah, I think so. It's going to be interesting. And then one question that I like very much is, um, do you have a favorite secret how to learn or your personal learning hack? Mm. So a method where, where you learn best? Yeah. Um, very basic hack, but I would say go to bed an hour earlier and get up an hour earlier um, so you can have some free time. I get up really early and nobody's bothering me when I get up because it's like, it's still dark outside when I wake up. So basically I have a morning routine. And when I was earlier in my career, I would um, stay up all night writing code and learning and doing kind of stuff like that. But inevitably in the morning, the next day, I would wake up at the last minute and like have to rush into the office or I'd wake up to a phone call and there was like a fire, you know, at work and I had to go like put that out. Um, so now I'm way more intentional. I don't want to start my day off in a rush um, because like I can't own my day. I can't, you know, do my own learning. I can't like have some peace and kind of understand what my day is going to look like. So that's what I would say is my biggest learning hack would be, or at least just hack in general would be put some energy into mindfulness practice and having some time for yourself, for your own personal development and learning. Yeah, And the way I do that is at the first part of the day, I'm completely isolated and I'm not in firefighting mode. I'm not in stress response. I actually can take some time to absorb and, you know, get my day planned and I have time to learn in that block of hours. So own your calendar is probably the biggest learning hack that I'm getting at, making sure that you have time to do it when you're not distracted. Mm. Um, and, and that's another thing I would say is really doubling down on focusing because the you know the fact that we're all remote now doesn't help but being online and social media it's a real-time vampire and it really will fragment your cognition and your ability to pay attention to stuff so i literally you know go into airplane mode when i'm in the early mornings and i'm just focusing on the things that i want to do which is all right i need to learn this new thing i need to test it out um, i need to get stuff scheduled for the day um, you know that kind of stuff so i do all my learning when I'm um, not in stress response mode, I do it very intentionally. 
And that's what I would recommend is unplug and like find some time to where you can just, you know, focus on what it is that you need to do. And uh, in those blocks of time, do not, you know, distract yourself with social media Mm. or, uh, you know, any of that stuff. Because, I mean, it's really hard. I struggle with it daily because it's a key component of everything that we're doing. But um, if I didn't have that time in the morning, I would, I would be, I would be very challenged to learn new things because a lot of the stuff that I learn new is done in that first couple hours of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So being focused and taking the time, I think that's really, yeah, the, the basis for all learning. If you, if you haven't that, yeah, it's really Yeah, and even Google, like they try to do that, you know, they've, Google's had stuff out there where they talked about, um, and I actually talked to somebody that works at Google that was on my podcast, but you know, they give you, if you work there, personal development time, um, they call it like 20% time, I think mm -hmm. they give you like 20% of your time goes for you to learn, but not all of us get that where we work. So if you don't, then it's on you, right? It's your responsibility to set it up for yourself. Mm. Yeah, and I think the return of investment for Google is huge then. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Good. And at the end, it would be great if you could maybe share some of your favorite knowledge sources or learning sources like books, podcasts, blogs, whatever, videos. Yeah. Wow, there's a lot. Um, so I would say there's so many sources. Um I mean, there's so many, but what I would say is I would get involved in the technical communities online. And this kind of goes inverse to what I was saying before. Um, get on LinkedIn and start following hashtags of the technologies that you're interested in. And then watch what the other people in the community are sharing. Uh, there's places like Microsoft Learn and AWS now also has something similar where they're sharing free training and tons of really good free trainings. So uh, the cool part is the people in the communities you know, like Microsoft MVPs and uh, AWS community builders, people from Google Cloud and that community, they're always sharing free trainings online. So that's what I would do. And that's kind of what I do is I just follow what people are doing on social. And, uh, you know, I follow people that are sharing all the time. So, you know, if you go out on LinkedIn, you guys could follow me. I'm sharing constantly. And that's what I would do is I would just get involved in the technical community watch what's going on. There's constantly free trainings out there. There's constantly people putting out full-blown courses on YouTube for free. And there's just no shortage of free content. And so I would, I would get involved in social somehow. If you're not on there, LinkedIn is a good one. A lot of people are on Twitter. The tech industry and Twitter is very, very hot. Mm -hmm. um, and you could even just go on there and do a search and, you know, you don't have to really say anything. You could just be a lurker and watch what's going on. But um, that's where I see stuff going by. And then I get informed about things I would have otherwise not known about. So, Yeah, learning through social media, I think that's important and, and getting more and more relevant, especially uh, as well, uh, LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah, people are live streaming like crazy on those platforms, you know, like Microsoft and Amazon and all yeah. on Twitch, you know, all that stuff. Um, it's just, it's a fire hose every day. So yeah. yeah, curate your own feed by following the people that are sharing. If you want to start with anybody, go find me on LinkedIn and Twitter and follow me. Mm-hmm. I'd love to connect with you guys out there. So it'd be awesome. Yeah, we will put all this in the show notes of this podcast so that our listeners can instantly approach you as well. And um, 
I would also have a little recommendation, and that's your podcast. I, I tuned into that um, a little bit uh, before um, recording this podcast, and there were a lot of topics I really enjoyed and liked. And uh, I think the most recent one with being you know, on the technical career path or on the um, management mm -hmm. path, I think that's, as an example, a question that is important for many people because it's a huge decision And um, I know a lot of people who returned and went back to technology from management, for example. So, um, yeah, that's really, really nice. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah cloudskills.fm. And I usually do an episode every week. We've done 126 episodes up to this point, And I am uh, probably going to be doing Q&A type episodes for a while now, just answering questions like that one. And that was actually a question I got at a uh, meetup last week. Then I filmed that up or shot that episode or recorded it, I guess I should say, kind of like right after that. But yeah, that is a big question. A lot of people are wondering, should I stay technical or go into management? And so those types of questions I'll be answering on my show. We've got like a lot of previous content to your point. So yeah, please check out cloudskills.fm and follow along. Yeah. A lot more episodes to come. Cool. Yeah, that's really a recommendation from my side as well. Yeah, thank you. Okay, Mike, I think... We are done for today. Okay. Yeah. And I think as well, we are all now well prepared to learn um, more about our cloud skills and technologies. And so thank you so much for all these insights. Really appreciate it. And yeah, you, dear listeners, if you enjoyed our podcast today, please share it with others, of course. And you find us on open.sap.com slash podcasts. And of course, on any podcast platform or podcatcher app, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or TuneIn. And Mike, thanks again so much for being here with us today. All right, Christoph, I appreciate it. I really enjoyed being here. And uh, feel free, everybody out there listening, go follow me on LinkedIn and listen to my show, cloudskills.fm. Thanks, everybody. Cool. Thank you. Thanks again so much for being with us. And everyone, have a good time and take care. Until next time, bye for now.